0: Damn, son, where'd you mint this? Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Pattern Recognition, episode 12. 21. My name is Chuck Anderson. And today I'm joined by one of my oldest, dearest friends, Benjamin Edgar Gott. I'll probably just refer to him as Ben uh, in this intro. Uh, Unlike most of my guests so far, who I I seem to be getting to know uh, as I interview them for the very first time. I mean, I've interviewed quite a few people now who I had never met or talked to before uh, doing these interviews. But unlike that, uh, in the case of Ben and I, we have known each other for, I think, something like 24 years now. So it's been a long time. Uh, Ben and I have spent a lot of life together, had a lot of conversations, traveled together. So I've also interviewed him before, but it's been a while. Uh, And that was for a website that he and I started called thebrilliance.com back in 2005. A very storied and still- still live, still pay the hosting bills for it website. You can see that was where our relationship with Virgil Abloh began, uh, bringing him on as the third writer back in 2006. And yeah, the rest really, like I said, is is history on that project. Plenty of documented out there. You can kind of see the history of he and I's relationship through that site. Um, I'd also really highly recommend that you check out an interview Ben recently did on another podcast called Blamo, B-L-A-M-O. Almost would recommend you listen to that one first before this one, because I think Ben gets a little bit more chronological, sort of linear story and journey on that one. And I think it's a nice table setting before listening to this one uh, where we get into more uh, process and Ben's Way of how he iterates and develops ideas, and really kind of themed this whole interview around starting points and and where where to begin and how he begins and the type of research he does. and I think there's a couple really amazing quotes from Ben and some really specific moments that I know I was kind of taking notes mentally on. But even the thought of using YouTube as a resource, I know that's nothing new, but I really liked. There's a kind of a moment where he's talking about if you're interested in doing something, you go watch a YouTube video about it, and you hear a word you've never heard before, it's at that point that if you don't pause it and jot that word down or go down another rabbit hole like exploring what that means, it's probably more of just a, a passing interest, which is great too. But if you do go down those rabbit holes and and start finding yourself digging because you're hearing kind of these new things that are unfamiliar to you, that's how you know that there's a lot more to your, you know, what you're sort of exploring than just sort of like a a little, you know, little quick 10 minute YouTube watch. It might actually have legs in terms of, of something that you want to develop and build, which you know is pretty incredible when you know that and look at the things that Ben has designed from scratch, built really out of sort of something uh, out of nothing and the way that he's able to ideate and engineer and, and design products in such a refined way with such a, I mean, really just an incredible eye, great tastes and just a constant sense of humor in his work, I think, a sort of slight sarcasm, but in in the, in the best way, never silly, but but sort of like a childlike, and, you know, his, his fascination with Steve Jobs, I think, you know, is very apparent in his um, design and his projects. But I mean, if you just scroll through his site quick, I mean, everything from having designed hangers, like a marble clothes hanger to all his apparel and, and clothing that he's done to bags and sculptor's stools and socks and keychains and candles. And one of my favorite things of his that I own a cutting mat that has like, instead of a grid pattern, it's like this warped grid pattern, but, uh, you know, denim that, you know, he, he, Every, every, just developing every last little detail on it. I don't know. I could go on. Ben is, is such a uh, such a dear friend and, and someone who I've been looking forward to interviewing for this show. But uh, yeah, this was a fun one for me and just tons of great little learning lessons, I think, for anybody uh, looking to design pretty much anything and looking for some you know, inspiration on even how to begin. Uh, ben is, to me, one of the best that you could take advice from. So anyways, thanks, as always, for listening to the show. We'll be kind of winding down for the year uh, in a couple weeks here. And we'll have some more you know news to come about the show. But uh, yeah, until then, please enjoy this interview with Benjamin Edgar Gott. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm feeling good. Feeling all right after last night? Yeah, I got some good sleep. Nice. Yeah, I was uh telling Holly about that restaurant. I was I keep thinking about it. It's the two really good experiences,
1: which is nice. I'll be back. It's also interesting you suggested going back to back. I mean, we were that was only like four or five days apart from when we went the first time the second. I've been working on being a little
0: more decisive quicker. And it was the first thing that came to mind. And instead of going on like Google Maps and Yelp and trying to like torture them. <laughs> Torch the question of where to go. It just popped in. I was like, it was good. Let's just go back. Wow. I mean, it's
1: also the way to become a regular somewhere and to really kind of develop a sensation. Uh, yeah. A specific restaurant.
0: Yeah. 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 All right. So obviously I have to start by asking, and I wonder if I already know the answer to this, but would you have a breakfast today? Nothing. Coffee. Okay. Yeah. What's no. All right. What's what's the coffee situation? I actually haven't asked you this, and I'm kind of curious. Do you go out for coffee or do you make something I at home?
1: I, I, I either go to a local, just like kind of corner store spot. Um, I kind of stopped going to Starbucks or I walk over to Whole Foods or a grocery store and I get like, yeah. a um, like the black and blue can, yeah, it's just yeah. Like a flavored can, or, or I like the chameleon cold brew. Mm-hmm. Um, but straight now do or, you drink it straight. Yeah, yeah. I just put it on ice. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and, or I walk around with it, but, um, I still can't really finish, like a whole thing of coffee. I rarely find myself like, like sometimes I'll go like, I'll get a really small coffee and I'll go back to get the second one around like 11 and I can't finish it. it makes me too jittery. So it's yeah. still like tricky for me, the coffee thing.
0: Are you ever, and again, I already feel like the answer is no, but are you ever tempted to do like a, like a whole, get into the whole thing at home or are you just like not going to? I
1: did it during uh, the pandemic. I had, yeah, of course. Like MX and stuff like that. Okay, and, yeah. and I, you know, I have some friends who bought like really serious machines and stuff. Um, I still don't even know if I have a taste for it. I think it, to me, so much of it is about the routine of getting up in the morning and going for the yeah, walks. It's like a huge part of my morning to make sure that like, and I really haven't started any work yet. Maybe I'm listening to a podcast or music. And sometimes I walk down to the water while I have my coffee as well. Okay.
0: Yeah. That's kind of my, like, so I guess for people who don't know, that was always one of our questions on the brilliance, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting cause you know, like, I don't know if people at the time when we would ask that question, it felt kind of weird. I don't remember where it came from exactly, but I we either. were so uh, intrigued by just being like kind of normal with people and not asking them about like,
1: you know. I think, yeah, I think now it's so normal, like with social media and sharing of your life in a more like normal, like, you know, kind of day to day, like, here's this thing I did. Here's where I had dinner, this walk that I'm on. That's really normal over the past seven to 10 years. While I think when we were interviewing people, we kept putting in those questions that were so mundane about like little parts of life yeah our goal in it i think was like trying to pull out a little bit of interest and we also i think thought there was a sense of humor to it too
0: yeah yeah so i was going to ask though about the daily routine because like for as much as you and i like talk i'm curious what like what's important in like what 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 do you need like to have happen every day specifically maybe like in the morning to start like you get up at the same time. Do you work out every day? Is it every other day? Like how intentionally do you go into each day? Because for me, a lot of times, like I, I worked out this morning, but it was because I just happened to wake up like by six and I like, didn't feel like just laying there. So I decided to work out. I kind of mm-hmm. wish the night before I would tell myself, All right, tomorrow, I'm going to do that. But I just kind of, you know, I, I tend to sort of see how I feel and then go by that. Are you, or do you find yourself more creature of habit? Like, yeah, my mornings the same are like
1: thing. Well, it's pretty ingrained at this point. It's like, wake up usually before my alarm goes off. So I'm waiting, you know, my alarm is set for 6 30, but I'm up before then, um, I try and be like, I'm very like, it's, it's so simple, but it's like, get up, shower, uh, you know, brush teeth, shave, whatever it might be. Bed has to be made like super intentional about that. whole yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then immediately out the door to go get a coffee. Um, coffee and a walk. I try and do all of this before, um, you know, 8 30 AM, probably even earlier sometimes than that. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I enjoy the city in the morning uh, just, you know, on that walk and stuff. It's just a little quieter, but I don't, I, I try and be, I've done phases too, where I'm like, we're not checking email or text messages in the morning or social media or anything until we've had the coffee. Um, but those first two hours in the morning by yourself, I, th- I feel like I sound so old, but like, I just like being up early. I don't know. It's yeah. a nice sensation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: I'm the same way, but I, <laughs> I don't know if you like, I can't remember actually how you were in your twenties, but I was such a night owl, you know, like I would want to stay up and work until like all hours and then, and then get up whenever. And I, I don't know, like feeling like shit would fade. <laughs> Whereas like now if I go, you know, if I, don't get a decent night's sleep. It's like, it's tough. Like it's tough to slog through the day. Um, you
1: know, with like five hours of sleep and it's different yeah, than I 22. I, I, like, <laughs> oh, I mean, you yeah, know, it's so much easier back then. I, I used to go out a lot more back then. Um, yeah. but I still woke up early. I don't know. I've, I've had friends criticize me like, man, you wake up so early. What's the deal with that? I'm like, it's not some sort of like <laughs> militant thing that I'm doing. My body's just up and I can't yeah. fall back to sleep and I have a really tough time sleeping in.
0: Yeah. I was gonna ask, what's how how much has that changed? Like what was the what was the daily routine uh at you know now, like early forties versus ten years ago? Like do you feel like anything's
1: been I a certainly big... stay out past. I mean, even last night it was like a late dinner for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think I got home at like ten thirty or something like that. Like that's pretty late for me. I usually go to dinner at six thirty or seven. Um no, I, I don't go, I don't really go out that much anymore. Um, and if I do go out, I prefer to go out on weeknights, not weekends. Um, and I think so much has changed even just overall. I mean, I see this even with younger people, it's like club culture, which I wasn't like a big club guy, but I was definitely like the, we were out at the bars and stuff or we would go to the, you know, some of the dance clubs and stuff. Um, that stuff's all faded in favor of like the dinner. Everyone goes mm-hmm. to the dinner, now, you know, and those yeah, can be yeah. like and stuff and there's certainly drinks involved, but no, I'm a, I don't stay out late anymore. That's probably the biggest change. Do you feel like Chicago is
0: conducive to doing that? Like, do you feel like if you were living in New York, it might be like, do you, do you feel like at any point during the week in Chicago, you kind of have to be like, all right, who do I want to go? Like if there's not just stuff
1: going on, I, I don't well, know. That's I my there, thing. You, you got to be part of like a, I think if you're going to be probably with a slightly younger crowd. I do think yeah. it's different. New York. If you want to stay out late in New York, you can do that every single night. Like that's still part of their culture there. But that matter the people that i'm hanging out with we don't really stay out that late do you know what yeah I mean? like, yeah i think um i think it, there's just some sort of shift that's happened i've heard even younger people just say they don't really stay out that late anymore
0: yeah yeah what's the workouts looking like these days i work out only in the evening um that's so interesting i, I like yeah. yeah yeah what time i do like it late? Late, but yeah 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 like what so how do you well yeah like is it before dinner afternoon like late like what's before the before dinner yeah before
1: dinner interesting. So I'll try and work out of like in, in anywhere between like 4 am or 4 p.m would be early and then like I I worked out all the way to you know 7 30 p.m. Um, it's usually a very quick like 30 minute workout. There's one in my building where I go um to so house here in Chicago and then do it there. but usually in my building I really like our gym super quick, mostly body weight stuff. Pull ups, push ups, lunges, some weight stuff, planks. Um, a lot of it uh, is about like mobility and stuff. And just because um, I really think I work out as like the mental benefit of it. And I know everyone does that and so that I can kind of eat whatever I want. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. 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 Are you uh, like, do you stay pretty disciplined in there? Or are you in there like, all right, I gotta get off my
1: phone. Like, t- no, I'm extremely. That stuff drives me crazy. Okay. I'm extremely. Yeah, difficult. So. I have. That's the best part about the AirPods, like the ones that are wireless, was not needing to have my phone on me while I was moving around the gym. Yeah, I have gone up there only for the timer app for yeah. whatever I'm doing that requires a timer. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. It's a pet peeve of me when I see someone sitting on a machine on their phone, just hanging out. <laughs> it drives me crazy, man. I know.
0: Yeah, I. I. I canceled the gym membership and i just do weights and stuff at home now so i'm never i don't know and more focused that way too i'm just like there i'm not going to the gym take wasting time to get there taking forever to get like going and home and all that stuff probably wouldn't work
1: out as much if it wasn't in my building i mean it's it's i really think about it when picking living at this place but um It's not bad. It's also open 24 hours a day. I've never gone super Mm -hmm. duper early. Um, but it's nice though. Nice to know. Yeah. Yeah. And we also have like, there's an outdoor pool and it's all on the top floor and there's a pool and I don't really swim or anything in the pool, but it's open in the winter. So after my workout, I'll go stand out and look at the skyline and like the freezing temperature from the workout. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you have, do you go into the workouts, uh, music ready or a podcast or what's like
1: the listen music? Yeah, uh, mostly podcasts or audiobooks. Oh, interesting. Okay, because because I can consume in a podcast or an audiobook so much better on a bike ride or a workout because there's nothing else. I'm not being distracted by my phone ringing or social yeah. media. Or yeah, so yeah, I do consume. I do absorb them a little bit better. The music thing's weird. I don't. I don't find myself listening to music while I work out that much, which I think is a bit odd. But yeah,
0: I think uh, one of the things that I've found is like if I don't maybe this goes back to the sitting around on the phone thing, but if you don't go into this stuff with a plan and you're not kind of like prepared, know what you're going to listen to. Like I would just take forever to figure out like, like what am I going to listen to? Or yeah. Or like some mix and you know, that I have but like the song that I don't like comes on and just like, I don't know, man, like the, just, just the distractions are just, it's so easy. It just takes like the stupidest.
1: What, thing. what about no music during working out? Do you ever do that?
0: No, I, I, uh, well, a lot of time, like I'll just put something on my phone in the background too. Not even headphones on, like when I work out at home, and I just follow along to these like weightlifting videos. Now there's this mm-hmm. dude that does these free weight like routines, and I just follow exactly what he does. So I'm usually listening to him kind of instruct, and then I'll just have my phone kind of like sitting over there, just playing like whatever. So I don't really focus on either. It really just keeps me kind of like focused, I guess, listening to someone tell me what to do. But I don't think I've ever done like just the. I, <laughs> I th- yeah, I don't think I've ever done just the, uh, no music. What would, what do, would be wor- uh, what would be w- the worst for you showing up to the gym? Like ready to, well, it's in your building. So let's pretend it wasn't, but if you're going to go and you realize I forgot my AirPods or they're dead, uh, <laughs> this is too, this is already too easy of a question or forget them before you got on the plane. What would be oh, the, the plane? Worst? Yeah. the plane Way worse. Would be worse. Cause,
1: I, Cause I work out yeah. without, I have another weird workout thing that I do. I do, um, turn this into the workout podcast. I, um, stopped wearing contacts forever ago. And I don't like wearing glasses when I work out. My vision's hmm. like really rough. Yeah. Interesting. Really. So I work out without glasses oh. and it's a really interesting, I mean, I'm like pretty blind. So like, it's a really interesting, I can't see myself in the mirror. Yeah. I, I get oh. like, my sensory is only about four feet in front of me where I can really kind of consume what it is. So like, I've done no music and I don't work out with glasses. So it's a very like, it's almost meditative in that sense. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. So all that leading into, to like work and creativity stuff. I find myself getting really antsy while I'm working out or when I'm doing anything like that. Like my mind wants to like, that's when I'm like, Oh man, like something came up in my head and like, Oh, I can't, but I can't be at my computer right now. Or I can't jot that down. Like I'll try and like shelf it. Um, when is like, yeah. Like one of the things I've, I was asking you about, you know, last night even, but, when ideas come to you, like where you are, how intentionally, you, you know, they're coming to you. Um, and this kind of funnels into like a lot more just questions about your larger body of work that I want to get into, but like all this stuff, whether it's like your morning walks or working out or whatever, like, are you, do you find yourself compartmentalizing and not thinking about work or, 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 I mean, I know like how much you are like work and yourself are, and just like me, like kind of inextricably linked together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess I'd love to hear like, you know, what, like how these things feed into
1: like the ideas and I'm a big notes app guy. I mean, I go on like lots of walks. I don't know when the whole walk thing started. I go on walks by myself here. And then a close friend of mine, Andrew and I try and go for a walk, uh, at least twice a week here. And we have a little routine. I mean, yesterday we did a really long one, but I mean, the notes app is just full of half finished sentences and weird mm-hmm. words and things like that. Um, I don't use any program to draw in or anything like that. Obviously, I take pictures of stuff uh, in terms of capturing an idea or capturing a moment. Um, but back to like working out or even in general, I don't ever get really all that anxious about uh, working out. Like the clearest mind moment I have, where I don't, I feel like I'm just there finishing that task, and um, I like the intensity of it um, in terms of like how ideas come in. You know, we mentioned it last night there's times where I almost wish I wasn't at, like, I'm happy with my output. I'm happy that I have ideas. I'm thrilled that they come to me. But the fact that there's no real structure that seems to prompt them is almost a little terrifying sometimes. Cause you're like, okay, so how, how do we know they're going to keep coming? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think, and what's also interesting for me is whether I'm stressed or really relaxed, they seem to come the same. That's what's interesting to me. I'll have like something I'm you know dealing with. that's particularly stressful or, Something I'm particularly anxious about and I'm still having good ideas or I still have the desire to take an interesting picture. That part's always been interesting to me and that leads into what we chatted about a little bit last night that I've in the past year come to believe like it's all just a compulsion. I'm just lucky that my compulsive behavior is the thing that I like do for a living is, the, you know, designing or coming up with concepts for yeah, for, yeah. Most, for other people. But it seems to be just an inherent part of me.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so we talk one of the things that when we were first talking about recording this and like, for people who don't know, like we have, you know, like our history goes back. I mean, at this point, I think, I think we met, I was probably, I must've been 14. So, I mean, yeah, it's,
1: it's probably 25 plus, plus years ago.
0: Yeah, probably. Um, and so like, I've seen, we've seen each other, a lot of beginnings over the years, like starting things or like, you know, finishing something and moving on to the next thing or like different phases. Um, and when we first were talking about doing this, you said you're really interested in, I don't I'll, to paraphrase, but it, it was basically like you're really interested in like the, you know, the, the starts of ideas, the beginnings of ideas. And like, I don't yeah. know if it's so much about where they come from, but like the first steps it takes to take it from like, you know, especially when you're independent, you know, like there's no one else around bugging you to, you know, make these things happen. Like it's all you and the accountability is like squarely on you. Um, so, so like, I don't know, let's like take, go all the way to the beginning, like whether it's like your marble hanger or it's uh you know, like the, like the mug or if like, like any of these things, um, like do these things, like the, the beginnings of these things, can you trace them back to like the notes app? Is there a very physical beginning, like a d- email draft? You're like, Oh, like, you know, like the marble hanger thing. That has to start somewhere and it was such at the time especially what 10 years ago now is it does that sound about right like pretty like audacious idea in fact i like i it kind of reminded me actually the probably the most parallel i can think of is when i put out that first print i did and i titled it godlike and i think i remember getting feedback on like message boards and stuff at the time like 2004 or whenever this was Um, in this like who does he think he is calling something that you know and like um, and I think you similarly probably had people be like why would anybody need this and you're like well then it's not for you but all that said like something like that there's so many steps between just like thinking of doing something like that and then like shipping it and having it there for people so like I don't know I'm trying to think how to form the question but like what are the steps for you that like something goes from just this kind of High in the sky thought, idea, or whatever. What are those first couple things that it takes for you to start feeling like something has
1: got legs? I think that one was interesting because um I was doing cut and soak. That one I have a very specific place where that one came from. Things have become significantly more abstract since then, I think, in terms of where they came from. But I was doing cut-and-soak clothing. Um, it had no logos on it. I did some, there were some bottoms and some tops, but I had a specific t-shirt and a specific fit that I was doing in a modal uh, fabric that I really liked. And it was selling fairly well. It was only available in one store. I wasn't doing direct to consumer. It was just, I mean, this is quite a while ago before direct to consumer is what it is now. And I was selling in one store called The man and a woman, uh, in the West village in New York. And that was just like, so cool to me. It was sitting next to like Margella and other big brands that I, you know, didn't really think I'd ever sit next to. And, um, I kept thinking of like, how could it stand out on the shelf a little bit more? And, um, I think I've always had some sort of interest I mean, even the brilliance has touches of it in there when you and I would work on it, of taking something that's really simple or mundane and kind of elevating it. Um, and so the hanger to me became this really interesting thing. It's typically kind of the first thing you touch when you're pulling your garment off the rack. Um, no one really thinks about them that much. Yes, there's nicer ones and, and cheaper ones and things like that, but they've never, I never really had experienced one that was, you know, quote designed or capital D designed. And the marble thing hit me. And I was either chatting with someone or Googling about it or something. And someone's like, oh, that could be water jet cut. And it was actually really fairly easy to make those hangers. They went through a water jet cutting process, which is just really high pressure water that cuts the marble. The honing process to get them to the finish I wanted them was a little bit more complex. But this idea of it being in a store, this really simple t-shirt, um, a white t-shirt or a black t-shirt hung on a really intense hanger. And I think that's basically like when my company started. When that idea and that image came into my mind, and then it was fairly accessible to get them made and touch these things. And they were very fragile. They would break really easily. I found that very poetic that they broke. I think that's when the project started leaning more art than it did just pure design. And and I still don't, you know, I still wonder why I I find it all that interesting. But um that one had a very specific goal of elevating the garment and grabbing the consumer's attention for just a moment longer when they walked past the shirt rather than like this, I'll just make a logo bigger or I'll make it more expensive or a fancier material. And that you can still see that thread through my company, I think.
0: Had you ever seen a, a hanger like to co- like, was there anything where it was like, oh, someone else has done? this thing. I mean, it was nothing, it wasn't anything like what you had done, but you had seen like some example, like when you looked it up or whatever, were there any other interesting like, I hadn't. hangers or it was like, yeah, just there's nice wood ones that have like a laser engraved logo in it, but that's, you know.
1: yeah, I don't think I had, I mean, it's been so long but I've probably forgotten, but I do remember creating the illustrator file for it. Well, I wasn't adept enough at illustrator at the time I had my friend Neil help me with it, but I drew it and I was like, I want it to be incredibly boring. Mm. You know, I want it to be almost like a wing font of like, <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't have any interest in it being, or what we would think of as like an emoji now. I don't, I don't, I didn't want it to be exceptional in its shape. I was like, just the idea alone is pretty yeah. pretty ridiculous or pretty insane. Yeah. So, No, I hadn't seen anything. I, I, again, these are one of those ones where I think the idea was like, Hey, I want to grab people's attention. And marble has of course, this, this feeling of luxury. So I maybe leaned that way, but even still, I don't completely know where the ideas come from. Mm.
0: So this might be like a very sweeping question. And I think the marble hanger thing is just like an easy first one to go off because it is the one I think of kind of set the stage for a lot of future projects. And, um, but when you think, when you think back, and that can mean like all the way back to like teenage years, that could mean like this month, a week ago, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, what are a few like key firsts to you, like other projects or like, learnings or, or thing but like something that ended up in like a, a result or like you know something that changed maybe the way that you approached projects or you know the way that you thought about your
1: practice or you know whatever the well, case th- may be i always Are there- tell people like this there's this moment that happens especially this is more like the business side although i guess it could apply to any i think part. that's important though the business side is maybe like just as important yeah I, I mean, I've come to believe it's like equally, if not in some instances more, because again, I believe there's a compulsion to create for most of us. So like figuring out how to make it sustainable financially is the harder part, but, um, there's this going back to like starting things. There's this when, when, a, when, when someone you don't know first buys something you've made, that is to me a huge, uh, checkpoint in your creative yeah, process. Sure. Now it, there, you can usually, like in the early days, I could find the concentric circles, the person, you know, maybe we're a few degrees separated from them. I'm like, Oh, that's yeah. really. But like, I, you know, every time I'm going through orders or sales or something like that, I love seeing people I don't know more than I see people I do know, because that means like the idea is growing beyond it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's expanding. Um, But there's been a handful of products. I would say probably the one that really grabbed me was like, when I did those pens that the, the, the ball bearing pens, Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Can you explain those really quick for people who don't know yeah it's just like a, a big pen your classic like big pen that has my logo on it that you would see at a restaurant or like a you know a mechanic shop or a hotel wherever and i was kind of thinking like what's my version of this and um it's about a, a, the brand is still pretty much about this but that product's very much about exaggeration they are ballpoint pens they have a very tiny ball bearing at the tip of it that distributes the ink as you roll it and I was like, "Well, let's exaggerate that. That's the thing that makes this work. Let's exaggerate it. So each pen is like semi-translucent, tra- translucent clear, mm. and we put 250 ball bearings in each one. Mm. Um, and they come; you can it's like you can move them around, and it's like yeah. it, it's really a f- like insanely simple product, but it's incredibly fun to sit and fidget it and play yeah. with. Feels like a Man. really sophisticated kids' toy almost in a way. Like it would be for yeah. like it's, just feels nice in your hand. It, yeah, it's exactly. It's it's definitely a toy, and I think." um, I remember putting those up and photographing them and and doing the whole process to get them finished up and putting them up, and now social media had start, I had maybe like a little bit of a following at this point, and that's when it was like, I remember getting like an order every minute or something, or maybe even more than that, when that product yeah. came out. It was incredibly affordable. I think I I think I realized after I shipped it that I was like losing a little bit of money on each one because the the stainless steel bearings that I was using were more expensive than I than I remember. But so, so that was a first for me to sit and watch those Shopify notifications roll in and be like, something's happening here. Yeah, yeah, And and then of course, when, as it trails off, as it always does, you, you, you have this inflection point of like, can I do that again? Maybe you get a little addicted to that sensation. Uh, I know I have um, at times. Um, but the idea of taking something entirely from your brain, you know, no, no one prompted you to do it. Yeah. Um, you were clever enough to find the little moving pieces to make it, you know what I mean? And, and, buy the bearings and get the pens made and the whole thing, get it photographed and put it up and have people respond to it. I was like, I can just keep doing this. Yeah, And I, I'd had products sell before them. And the company had been around for a few years before that, but it didn't feel like a platform yet. And I think it became a platform at that moment, at least in my Hmm. head. Hmm. So the pens, the,
0: uh, the, the, the hanger, what about, clothing because that's obviously been like even before benjamin edgar as a, a brand like you and i were making like you know like brilliant shirts or like yeah. you know like a little collaboration shirt like you know way back when or, or whatever um but you developed like a pretty clear we're talking about this again but like you 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 have to remind me what exact uh helvetica it is what's the font
1: it's uh 57 new condensed
0: yeah um you pretty quickly identified like a font that just felt like so at home with your brand. And it's so funny. Cause when I see it used now by someone else, and it's just an age old, like very yeah. classic font, yeah, but awesome. I think UVA used it enough and put it in enough specific context that I associate it with you in a similar way to use a, a, a an analogy that we're both obviously so familiar with much like, you know, Virgil's use of whether it's quotes or his use of, you know, his Helvetica bold, you know, the way yeah. that he did it. Um, you know, you took the, your condensed version of that. Um, so that's like a, a a design language that's really common in like your t-shirts, but then like the jeans with the screen printed, you know, like the circles on them, um, the Vans project with just like the big, like just like the, you know, just a big chunk of vulcanized rubber, like on the, on the bottom. And like, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I guess exaggeration is, is maybe like the way to, to frame it, but, um, also to just like sidebar like we used to be really obsessed with like the idea of if someone's going to make a shirt you were more obsessed than me with this but i think i kind of like was kind of like intrigued by how interested you were in it when we'd see these early streetwear brands just Mm -hmm. taking like you know a gildan or whatever and screen printing on it versus getting it made and you know obviously later on realizing how much work it takes there's a reason people just get by a blank but yeah um what are some of the yeah i guess like what are some of the things with clothing that has sort of been eye-opening for you, like making denim or like even just a, like a t-shirt and like the, all the way through stuff. I mean, there's so much to get into, but I guess like, while we're, you know, kind of doing one of these things where you can only touch on things sort of so much, like what are some like things that you've learned or things that you started when it comes to clothing that, you know, maybe like felt really pivotal or important or uh, memorable
1: for you? I think one of the first things I ever did was like an Oxford shirt. Um, I worked with a really talented um, pattern maker and seamstress and uh, they not were not the recent to... Oxford shirt though. Not the, no, no. This was like quite a while ago. Yeah. yeah. And I think I definitely have like a deep attraction to like the super classic. So it's like my denim is, is based on a 501, you know, like a lot of other people's are the wash is based on kind of a wash that's almost forgettable just looks nice and worn and comfortable for kind of anyone to wear, um, working on some t-shirt stuff, the hoodies, they all kind of reference collegiate graphics, you know, which, uh, you know, like a Harvard hoodie or Yale or something like that. I just think those are about as classic as it gets, or maybe like a, you know, a sports hoodie or something like that. That's well-worn. I, th- I think, um, I think when, when we think back about printing on blanks versus why, why on earth would you do it cut and sew uh, or develop even your own shape? It's just... I mean, it's 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 just born from some sort of like pretty obsessive desire to control every single aspect of it. But I also think it's driven by some sort of maybe slight insecurity slash a mix of like, I really believe that every product you make, you should be really trying to respect the consumer as much as possible. <laughs> and if the consumer were to buy a shirt I remember even back in the day when I did use blanks for other people's projects, even, and someone's like, Oh man, your, guy, your guy's shirts are so nice. And I was like, they're not, they're just a normal shirt. Your perception of them is nice. Cause maybe I put my screen print on it or a partner's screen print on it, but it's just a shirt. We didn't design it. And I wanted to bear responsibility for the whole thing.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it's been interesting watching the evolution of the, I mean, again, me, like I have just, I think such a unique context with you, but I like see some of the, I probably even have some, old illustrator PSD is still rattling around on some old hard drive from like oh, 2000, like, you know, three or four. Um, you know, and it's, it's just, it's pretty amazing how consistent, like you, like you, how quickly you identified something that felt like very you
1: and you've continued, whether it's the font or like your use. But to- I'm lucky that it works. I've been thinking a lot about that lately. Like, I don't know. like sure, of certain, course. I, I you know I think it's a really weird way. Like if I give someone advice and I'm like, don't ever change, stick to your guns and, 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 you know, keep your language identical to what it was. Um, if that doesn't work for that person, that's maybe not great advice. I think about it often, like how lucky am I that like, it's the same things that I like, there seems to be a small consumer base for as well. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. What's, uh, what are, <laughs> I don't know. I was I, I'm surprised I'd never asked you this question before. I just have a, it's funny, like thinking of questions for someone, you know, really well. And it it's like. Tricky. You know, yeah, it's tricky, but then I'm like, well, no, there's like all these sort of nuanced things that I guess are really interesting. And I think, uh, I think a lot about how to talk about beginnings or like the start of something without like kind of getting hung up in nostalgia or having it be like a look back kind of thing. And I think more about like, you know, the, the, I think, I, I think like, I, I think about when I interview someone, like what do I want someone to listen to, to who's listening to it to get out of it? And ultimately with all these, I mean, interviewing creative people, like you want someone to, hear something and walk away, you know, enlightened on some level, you know, I mean, that's kind of like ultimately what these are. So I think that frame of reference and thinking about like the ideas, where they start and then like how they, how they end up. Um, but in relationship to talking to you is is kind of interesting. Um, but one thing I guess I've never asked you before uh, that I jotted down was um, about objects or ideas that you've ultimately, that you were like really excited about, but ended up abandoning. And I don't know how comfortable you are talking about stuff that, or if you can even think of one but like there's got to
1: be like i can think of some really complex ones i don't know Mm.
0: um is there anything you've gotten like pretty far into a process and be like fuck this isn't working like and just i got a bill
1: (laughs) i worked on i mean this is really random and i almost am like uncomfortable sharing because i still want to do it one day it was really a limitation of money and capital and that kind of stuff but like i really wanted to um and I still really want to do this. I'm really into like astronomy, not astrology, but astronomy. Mm-hmm. And I got a telescope as a gift. And I remember seeing—I was using on my balcony. And I remember seeing uh, Jupiter and the moons for the first time, like through a lens, and realizing mm-hmm. like those photons were coming from there going into my eye. It was like pretty pretty amazing experience, to be honest with you. And it was a pretty blurry image. And I just wanted to share it with other people. And I had this idea of building. A distributed network of, of really intense telescopes that people could live stream via their phone and like kind of zoom around and look at different things in space all via your phone and have control over it. Um and I spent I spent about a year working on it. I worked with a friend of mine in, in oh. Spain who's a really talented an engineer and designer. And it just became it was one of those ones where like I was so gung-ho about this. Um in fact, I was just on GoDaddy earlier today, looking through, reviewing some domain names and making sure my billing stuff was right. And I saw the domain that I bought for it. So there's been some really ambitious projects that would just end up being too difficult to do. Um, I hope someone...
0: That would have been like an app though. Not like there's nothing physical about this. This was like meant to be. a. Well, I, I, it I wanted really
1: to be like like a... I designed a whole housing system for the telescopes. Like I really wanted God, okay. to like, yeah, yeah. really build something, but yeah, I mean, most people's interface with it would have been through an app, but I've looked at it almost as a Benjamin Edgar, like object thing. It was like a weird extension or a weird project. Um, that, that maybe was a bit more digital than, than physical. Um, so that one's like really abstract in terms of other, um, You know, the first product I had that really became fairly successful was this concrete incense bowl. It's just a cast of concrete with a leather bottom that you fill with sand and it's, you know, it was a kind of uh, one of the real like truly useful products I made that that found uh, a market and have since over the past two years been trying to redevelop a new one that has the new shape. And, uh, we found a manufacturer that's working on it, but it's very difficult to cast it the way that I want. Mm -hmm. And there's times where you just are like, how many times are we going to try this and have it not look (laughs) right or fail? Um, I think we're on the other side of it, but like, you know, fingers crossed. So it's like, yeah, there's been projects like that where I've gone two years of development into them and been like, this isn't working.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah do you feel like the drive to do that is like just the compulsion obsession with like just the fixation on you making this object and this thing, like less to do with like selling that. Cause obviously that's like, the, I mean the, the, especially the, the telescope thing feels like it has to come from a place of such passion versus like a practical consumer product that mm. like could sell to a couple, you know, to, to many people compared, you know, versus like the, uh, Comparing that to the, uh, the pens, I guess, for example, yeah. it's like, so starkly different, but still like in the same universe somehow. Um, so yeah, I don't know, like the drive for you on projects like that, do they feel different? Does it feel no, different to you? Like, think,
1: I mean, I've certainly done like business projects that have gone on and like, and that, that were very specifically solving like a business problem. But the 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 part of me that has an interest in design or aesthetics or when I say design, I mean, how how it looks. If we're, if we're solving a business problem, then when I use design, it typically means how it works plus how it looks. Well, with the object company, it's entirely the kind of the emotion. I really think like, and I've been spending a lot of time over the past year thinking about it. It's just a compulsion. I don't, mm. they're all the same project to me, the Switzerland hat. And then this vase that I have coming out of the stool, they all come from the same place. Mm same desire to like create um yeah i i um i don't know i wish i wish and i hope over the next few years i have a better understanding of where the compulsion comes from i mean <laughs> yeah. that that could be its own interesting like therapy session be like what why do we do yeah. this cuz i don't feel like i i earned it i mean i've honed it i guess but it's like where does it come from i don't
0: know yeah I was talking to our our good mutual friend Thomas Kelly the other day, and mm-hmm. he Thomas is really good. He's one of those people who's really good at just like you will be hanging out, and he'll just point blank ask you a question, like he's just very curious to just kind of yeah, ask really. you, like be like, hey, he's like Chuck, when you make stuff, like who's your audience? And I was like, I don't know. I'm like, you know, we're with our kids, and I don't, I wasn't thinking about it. I was just kind of, I was like, you know what? I don't know. I mean, honestly, like it's like aesthetically, it's it's me for sure. Like I know the things I like, and it's like they come from like kind of like all these different places but when something goes out there and then it's different if i'm making something for a client because i'm kind of thinking like being in service of them so i have to make sure that they get what they want but like i have to impress my vision or aesthetic on it and then you know at this and then sort of i guess like the third component is like either like my peers or people whose work i really respect so like you know when you get a certain response or comment I and mean, you using just like this basic example of Instagram, but if, you know, or Twitter or whatever, but like if you get responses or likes or from certain, you know, cross section of people, there's something validating about that. And maybe it's like you're testing an idea or you did something and the people that you really respect, you know, respond well to it. And like that matters to me. And he was like, it's interesting with Ben, like his audience seemed, it's, I think it's just him. He Like, obviously you no. care about what other people, but it kind of like we were kind of like talking about, you know, um, you know, in relation to you as well. And it, it does seem obviously you're thinking about, you know, you're talking about making products to respect, like who's buying it and like be mindful, of like respecting, like they're going to spend their money on it. You want to make sure they're getting their, their money's worth. Um, but like, yeah, simply put, like, you know, I think you're making stuff for yourself and ultimately yeah, hoping it's, people it's, like uh, it. And that's easy to say. And a lot of people like to think that they're doing selfish, it, but yeah. But I think but I think that's pretty true of you, even to <laughs> maybe the one of the topics I was curious to ask. I know I've asked a little bit about this, but the uh you know, using your own name as the brand, you know, the gift and the curse of doing that <laughs> versus right. like you know, it's funny because I've kind of hidden behind, I don't want to say hidden behind, but sort of lived side by side with maybe no pattern now for almost 20 years where you've like your thing is Benjamin Egger. It's like fully you. Do you like, I mean, you wrestle with that ever? Do you ever think it'd be nice to just have like a brand name and I could detach from it a little bit? And like, yeah, so
1: that was a lot of stuff, but audience, yeah, no, I do wish I that could. funnels into your name. I wish i could detach from it at times although i do to be completely i mean edgar's my middle name not my last name i do feel abstracted from it in a lot of ways I, you know i talked on other interviews and stuff that i feel like these products are self-portraits which is totally uh um <laughs> selfish i mean if if not even like narcissist almost um i don't i don't see them as a, as a form of narcissism i i found i find my ability to communicate through these objects is more clear and more concise probably than I can with writing or even aesthetic design or uh, you know graphic design or something like that, or, or even talking. And so I find this place where I can communicate an idea really thoroughly through the weight of an object, finish up an object, the material it's made in the process, sometimes the price. Um, but while I'm creating them for myself, it's interesting. I don't think I'm wearing a single item today that I, that I designed. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, that's probably just cause I'm packing for a trip, but I, um, I definitely take an immense amount of joy when I see someone else enjoying it, Yeah, but I don't design with them necessarily in mind. I'm designing the object in mind and my world in mind. And that's why I think so many designers start really falling in love and respecting Ralph Lauren so much because he was a world builder, right? He's got this whole aesthetic and this whole vision sure, yeah. and you're buying into that. He's definitely making that stuff for himself. He happens to be lucky enough that a bunch of people also want to live that way um i'm certainly not uh, at that i would say my my practice is significantly more obtuse than than his and likely won't reach any sort of scale like that but um no it, it's a selfish pursuit i don't do a lot of client work either and i get really I get, I get a little nervous with client work because sometimes i don't really have much to say you know because sure. it's, it's mm. their vision not mine yeah so. mm. The client thing
0: and like collaboration. So like kind of a a thing as old as like we've been, you know, they've been around forever, but like in the sort of modern context of it, the last even just like, I think back to early brilliance posts and like, you know, jamming streetwear brands together or Levi's working with, you know, this little brand from, you know, Hong Kong or whatever. They just like, they elevated each other. Like, you know, and now it's just so common to the point of, you know, we're probably, we're probably post talking about how collaborations are too common, you yeah. know? Cause it's like the articles have been written like six years ago and now it's just like, okay, they, they happen. Um, and you certainly like do your fair share of them. I mean, I was going back through like one of the things that I've found that I really enjoy doing before I interview, uh, anybody is, I like to just kind of, I just go back through their Instagram all the way to the very beginning. And then I just kind of uh-huh. do like a quick, <laughs> and I've seen what's really interesting is with younger artists, what's pretty fascinating is anybody I'm interviewing now usually is at a certain point where their work has hit some kind of maturity or they're doing something where the work is, is, you know, yeah, no, was like, I only do so many of these, like there's something about their work is worthy of talking about, but it's interesting when the career is fairly short. Cause I can literally quite literally watch the work go from like very amateurish to, and mm-hmm. then there's like a point where you start mm-hmm. to see the, the, the evolution of it. Um, you know, so you really kind of at one point cleaned up your Instagram and decided to go like pretty straightforward and like focus on That's your definitely brand. not personal
1: anymore. You know, yeah, it's not, yeah. not my personal. That probably started about two and a half years ago, probably. Yeah.
0: did that. Did, did, is there like an itch that you like miss scratching by like taking that out or does it feel like, okay, I can just focus on this. It's like less distraction.
1: No one needs to see my meals. Like... You know, <laughs> I yeah i I was starting to wane, and like I don't have an issue with social media. I consume it. I also, it's interesting. While my my page is focused on only kind of promoting my my work or the projects that are coming out and things like that, I still follow random people. And I've always thought yeah. that was an interesting thing for a brand to follow individual people and kind of view mm-hmm. their content in the context of traditional, just social media. Someone sharing parts of their lives versus mine, and which is sharing parts of. Or promoting things, really, yeah. Um, but no, I don't really have the itch to share much of my life. I've always been semi-private and kind of hidden behind the the product, whether it's a company I've started or or a product I'm designing. So no, I don't really have the itch to to share. That's good.
0: Um, I feel like it's good to get like kind of. I mean, you did at one point more, but then you kind of
1: decide, all right, like um. Yeah, I don't doing. know what the shift was. I think. I think that you and I grew up on the internet. We're like early, early adopters to being on the internet, blogging, sharing, message boards. Um, I think social media did change things. I mean, you can pretty closely tie when the brilliance became less of a priority to us. You and I both got incredibly busy on other things in our lives. But social media started kind of taking over. It was easier and faster to share it. I think some people yeah. are missing that now. We're going back to some longer form stuff. Um, But somewhere in the mix of there, I decided to become a little bit more private than, than I was before. Do you think I'm just, this is just, I'm not assuming
0: at all. I'm just asking um, your proximity to Virgil and his um, ability to bring everything back. Like for me, as much as he shared about his life, like his social media, like, you know, talk about someone who could just be sharing like the wildest shit. And he did but he obviously became so synonymous and intertwined and he had a private life of course as well but like at the end of the day like you would go through and like no matter kind of what was going on like you know whether it was criticism with him or like just crazy like Kanye stuff or this or that or whatever like he was really good at like focusing on the work at the end of the day it was like just like keep people interested by just focusing on the work and like on to the next. And I don't know, I've, I, that was one of the things that I took more from afar because I wasn't really as close with him, but you know, I, I observed and paid very close attention to like the way he would operate and like the way he would kind of like run his Instagram and Twitter. And and I think the thing ultimately I started to realize is I'm like, man, he's really like laser focused on, his work and the output and like he did things like he
1: was a world builder. I mean, and at the scale, yeah. obviously the story um, was cut short too soon, but I mean, at the scale of a Ralph Lauren without question in my mind, hundred any photo he showed, whether it was him, you know, promoting a product that he'd made or, or promoting someone else's work for that matter, or showing a meal that maybe he was having or the behind the scenes of a photo shoot or a trip he was on. They all had the narrative and the through line and like this sensation that brought you back to yeah. him as a creator. And then those him as a creator, towards the end, a lot of the output was going through off white and and tone, But like he was so good at merging his personal life in with his uh I guess commercial life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it stuck with me. He did an interview not too long ago, and it still stuck with me and is something I after me saying I'm really private and I don't like sharing my life. He he said that if he said that if I want to grow things, I need to share myself. Um, that's a paraphrase. I can't remember exactly what he said. But he had a distinct understanding that he was the, the keystone in all of the projects. It wasn't just the product. It wasn't just the beautiful design and the shows and the famous friends and like all, it was him. And he was he did a really good job of both having a fairly private life as well as a very public life as like a figure. Um, yeah. walking on the street saying, Hey to everybody and doing all the thing, And I, I deeply admire his ability to like build a world and be very, very public um, and, and have it not feel like he was promoting. I never felt like he was promoting himself. I felt like he was promoting like an idea. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's great. I, I, I was like, man, obviously be remiss to not bring Virgil up and ask you about him, right. but in a way that like maybe is more contextualized within like your, practice to not just go off on like a, a, a Virgil thing, which is, you know, we, we all can do and have done and interviews and all that kind of stuff, but the way that he impacted your work. And I think, yeah, I guess I was thinking about it in terms of like the way that you've kind of become more laser focused, like in the, like the way that people observe and consume for lack of a better word, your products and things now happens through Instagram. And that's where people see stuff or on Twitter or whatever. And, um, yeah, I feel like there was at some point a distinct shift with you, um, you know, where it just became more like, yeah, you could tell that there was like a focus happening. And I think it's something that I've, uh, started trying to, you know, cause yeah, I, I think I'm more of like loose cannon. Like, I'm just like, I'll just post some random shit about basketball. I post this or that, whatever. Like, and it's less about my brand and I'm like, oh, who cares? Like, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think at the end of the day, like, you know, everybody just has to ask themselves, like, what am I trying to get out of this? Like, whether it's a single post or like the full body of work of like all the different posts that you do. And, you know, why are we doing this at all? And like cutting out distractions and all that kind of stuff. But um, I think that's been one thing that has to me, at least when I like look through your Instagram, I was like, man, there's such cohesion and whether that happened, like, I know it was intentional, but also I think by like shifting focus, it just naturally starts to evolve in such a way where it all feels very, um, deliberate, I guess, for yeah, it's lack not, of a I don't word. put as
1: much like attention on it as maybe it might, as what you're referencing. I, I, I don't, um, it's the same as me using the same typeface for so long. It's like, sure. Yeah. Just, just just, I stick with something and I kind of roll with it. There's like the color schemes I use black, yellow, green, blue, you know, it's like very light primary or RGB inspired and like, you know, right angles. And this. there's a certain specific brightness that I really enjoy. In fact, I love the new update on the iPhone where you can copy the edits on one photo and paste them onto another. Cause I'm constantly mm-hmm. adjusting a very specific, like I remove warmth from all of my photos and things like that. I don't even
0: know like, if I realize that's in the new, uh, iOS. New. Yeah, i always wanted like, to be able to do
1: that because you, <laughs> like, oh, you just finished editing and copy it and go paste it on to another photo, which is okay. you you know, yeah, good. Yeah. The reason I bring that up is because like, that's a, that's a design language that I'm, that I'm doing. But you know, I think social media, I think for, for people who share the more personal side of their lives along with their business, I love those too. I don't think there's, I'm certainly don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. I think people who follow someone, um, are along for the ride. And if they stick around for a long enough time like that, they know what they're getting into. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the things you mentioned earlier when I was asking about like the pro like ideas that you had that maybe didn't come to fruition for whatever reason. And the, the telescope, one, I remember you mentioning it to me, I think we were at Soho or something and you mentioned that, that uh, uh, while you were working on it. Um, great answer, by the way, <laughs> very like so ambitious, you know, so like, well. yeah, I love that. I mean, the ambition, though, I think, is important. I think, I think, like half the battle for artists and designers is even like allowing yourself to think big enough at that scale, like to just see what happens if you, you know, push it, you know, because maybe you revisit that one day with lessons you've learned or, you know, resources that you do have and you've got like the sort of foundations for it. Yeah. But um, so maybe like putting that one, obviously, is like maybe the first answer to this question, like, you know, what's a what's like a uh, I hate, you know, the, if you won the lottery type questions, but if like mm-hmm. manufacturing challenges and, and like money were just truly no object and like totally were out of the way in terms of making a product, like what's the, is there like a penultimate Benjamin Edgar object or thing that's yeah. like, man, like if I, if it was, if someone was like, here, I'm here to, you, here's, you just tell me how much capital you need and I'll connect you with all the factories in the world, whatever. Like, what are the are there one or two things that you're just like, man, someday, like, it would. I don't
1: think I'm, I don't think I'm, you know, it's funny because you brought up Thomas Kelly, you know, an architect I work with uh, here in Chicago and, you know, you're close friends with as well. I don't think of myself as an architect. I have had this conversation a little bit with Thomas, but um, buildings, uh, residential buildings are like a huge thing for me. I, that is the, I, that is, I don't know if it would be under like Ben Edgar or whatever, like the object company per se, but um, whether it's a hotel or or a apartment or a condo or something like that, um, what what an ultimate expression of of design and like highly risky. And that if you're asking someone to live in it, it's like you could design a really compelling product or even a piece of jewelry or clothing that someone wears, but they can take it off at the end of the day and say like, mm-hmm. you know, I could run with it. It's not for me anymore. But if you design a home and it's successful for them to live in and they enjoy living in it, I think like that's kind of like the ultimate thing. And I... I walk around my neighborhood uh, or any city that I'm in and I see the cranes and I see new buildings going up and it's a reminder to me like that is entirely possible to do that. It's just, you have to have quite a stomach for the risk that comes along with it. And you have to have quite a stomach for um, the time and the bureaucracy and all that kind of stuff. But I, I I hope that it that it's not, I win the lottery moment. I hope it, it, it happens and I am taking small steps to make it happen where I'm able to design really large uh, urban residential projects.
0: Mm. What about a, um, something that's, uh, let's say, smaller than a basketball, let's call it. Is okay, there, yeah. is, there is, is there anything that's like something that like,
1: you know, yeah.
0: and not like an object that sits on, you know, on a desk or is a functional I
1: think there's thing. some materials that would be really interesting to to play with. Um, I can give you like two really random answers. One, the first one that makes sense. Like I am tinkering around with jewelry a little bit but Johnny Ivan, Mark Newsom recently did a ring that went to auction. That was a lab ground diamond and mm. the ring itself is all one piece. So with okay. a diamond huh. ring that you can put onto your finger, but as milled from one solid huge diamond that they, huh. they grew in a lab. Um, that to me, I remember seeing that being like, that was two designers who were at the absolute peak of industrial design. Yeah. Um, Who were given the keys to say you can make whatever you want i think either Gagosian sponsored it or product red i can't remember who who who, uh funded it um but that's that's one of those things where i'm like here's this tiny little ring and uh how insane it's milled from one piece of diamonds so like i would like to play around some more precious metals and things like that i think platinum is really fascinating to me as a really pure metal um and this one is a total left field one. Yeah, yeah, because That's the right. amount of work and bureaucracy it would require. But like, because I'm really into cars, uh, most most new sports cars and supercars and things like that use paddle shifters, and they're these you know little paddles behind the steering wheel that help you shift. And over the past ten years, they went from just being like just pieces of metal or plastic. Uh, Ferrari would use carbon fiber. To car companies, they're now really dramatically are really spending a lot of time. On how they feel when you pull them, Porsche is mm-hmm. doing one. For that back feels car.
0: important, yeah. So they
1: quit yeah. back, but it's such a touch point in the car. And it's such an emotional touch point. And I always joke that if, if, if I had to get like a normal job, I'd want to be a paddle shift designer at Porsche Sick. where the <laughs> only thing I designed was the paddles. <laughs> do you, I, this is like not my usual lane to ask a question
0: like this, but do you believe in manifestation? Like, do you like, you mm-hmm. know me, like that's not something I like necessarily. No, that's a really
1: interesting question, man.
0: But I, but I I, I, I I think like it's something that like, I guess is maybe on my mind when I do these, cause I've had other people who really do subscribe to the idea of like, because honestly, it's, there's nothing, um, you know, but, and I think I mean it by saying it out loud or writing it down, essentially not some like nothing like, you know, weird summoning (laughs) spirits to like, man, like truly just being like, I want this and saying it out loud or writing it in a journal or writing it on a whiteboard and seeing it every day or whatever. And then like taking active steps, like little by little day by day, maybe even it's like over the years to like, does it occur to you to think that like, if you say the, like the paddle shifter thing that like, you know, I know you're not actively pursuing, maybe like doing it, but does it occur to you that like, I, like you've done just that you've done like quite a bit of, of things like right now, like if the right person at the right place, like here's that. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't seem that crazy that you would get some like invitation from somewhere, you know, when you put that out in the world, honestly, that's how my, I've had, I feel like I can think of you know, with all my email
1: stories, like I was going to say, the first thing I thought about your emails are a real literal form of it. It's a very magazine.
0: literal form of it. Sure. But yeah, it's the yeah,
1: same yeah. thing. It's you saying like, again, it goes back to starting from something from zero. You're on a walk, you wake up one morning, you have an idea, you see a magazine that you're really excited about. And at this point, there's nothing, there's, there's nothing, no work has been done yet. Um, but there's a, there's a desire. There's this compulsion in you to say, I want to work for that magazine. I want to have my work in that magazine or I want to work with this company or I want to do this stuff. Um, I think the manifesting stuff that I kind of lose interest in is when people are just like I'm going to write it down or I'm going to put it on social media or I'm going to say it out loud. I'm like, yeah, those things I think can help and they can help you work through an idea, but I'm far more interested in in reaching out to someone that you think is really compelling, mm-hmm. becoming deeply deeply researched in a in a certain area that you're excited about without being compensated for just doing it because you love it sorting out people to go have lunch and breakfast with or dinner with or something that work in that industry without going in being like, Hey, can I get a job or can we do something together? But just being like super interested in being simply around it. Or we talked last mm-hmm. night about participating, the idea of participating in something, having the desire to participate in a scene or a, a style of design or something that to me is like a more literal form of manifesting. But I do think, um, so no, I don't know if I believe in it and just saying like, Hey, if you write it down, it's going to happen. Yeah. I so if you repetitively, if you have something, I mean, my general thing is like, I'm sure you have the same thing. You make something in, in Illustrator, Photoshop or CAD or whatever you're doing, you close your laptop, go to sleep, you wake up the next morning and look at it and you're either going to like it more or like it less. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Very rarely. Would you feel exactly the same about it when you woke up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I always say like, in terms of writing something down, look at it multiple times. And if you lose interest in it over those two weeks, you either really didn't want it or you don't actually, you're not that interested in it. And so I guess yeah. I think that a little bit where I'll sit and design, like I'll use the word. I opened up Illustrator the other day and there's this t-shirt I designed. And I'm trying to tinker with t-shirts again. And um, I really liked the word and the design that I had at the time. And I was like, man, this feels really important. And it just faded over time. Well, the Chicago, Switzerland mm-hmm. one, like grew over time in terms of like, what a bizarre thing. That's like yeah. two weird. I don't know if that was a pretty roundabout answer to your question, but you know, no, I think it's good though. I think like, I
0: just kind of, when you said the paddle shifter thing, it's that kind of stuff that I'm like, that's, it's amazing. It's so, it's also so specific, you know, um, that I think like, I don't know, you're someone who, one of the questions I've always asked you and I always used to, be like, I don't know, is this an annoying question or whatever, but like for someone who, you know, for, I I would say most designers like are used to, well, graphic design or like artists, like we think so 2d, we think like make something on a computer, it gets printed, it goes wherever it needs to go digitally or you paint and it goes on canvas or whatever. But like the amount of moving parts and the things that you do, I mean, like there's, you know, like you want to make something and get it milled out of, you know, like a certain type of you know material and whatever, like, Where to know where to begin, like who to email, like that. That's like kind of a skill in and of itself. Where I'm like, I, I don't know. Like it's a, it's like a, you know, like a yellow pages skill. (laughs) It's a snowball thing, though. Where to go?
1: So YouTube has changed everything dramatically. You know, you're like you can before you even know what a CNC machine is or a lathe or different polishing techniques or CAD or anything like that. You can say like how to make a vase, you know. Mm -hmm. And you got to watch a bunch of really boring... I'm just like making that one up. How to make a wrench, right? And at some right. point, you're going to use a word that you're not familiar with. They're going to say like, oh, this is a plotter or this is a five-access CNC. Or, this is casted. And it's your job as the person who thinks that they're interested in making this thing. Keyword using... thinks
0: that they're interested in. like, Because that's the...
1: That's what I'm saying. That's like like that the interested <laughs> yeah. in, that's a critical thing. Uh, yeah. If you don't choose to then go Google those words and go down the rabbit trail of like... Mm. Like I think about your Photoshop skills and your illustrator skills, you're pushing some of those applications well beyond what they were even designed because you keep pushing and going down further and further and further. You're one of the people who like truly understands, in my opinion, from seeing it, you know, most like myself for illustrator, I'm probably using 10% of it. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, I would say with Photoshop, you're probably the person that's using like 80, 90, sometimes well beyond the hundred percent mark because you've fully committed to it and the results then show for that. So like, uh, but the other thing i would learned too is once you make your first thing, it doesn't matter how ugly or broken or halfway finished it is, you're going to attract the attention of people who are like, man, they did it though. They finished. Yeah. yeah. The idea. Yep. Maybe that yeah. person's even just 10 or 20% further along than you are. They'll come back and give you a hand typically. I mean, I certainly yeah. try and help. Well.
0: <laughs> You've done it. You did a talk not that long ago. I think, um, that was like so, something about like ship, like getting, oh, just shi- ship it. Ship. yeah, just ship it. Yeah. 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 And it seems like, you know, I mean, maybe not that like, this needs to like end right now, but like talking a lot about beginnings and like the ideas starting, like you've now talked a lot about like kind of the journeys they go on or like, I actually think if I were just someone random listening to this, I think that would be a huge takeaway. It would be like the, the, the YouTube videos. That's a huge I, I kind of feel like you could sum that up pretty succinctly somehow in a tweet or something, but like, that's, you my, know, if that's you, my
1: university. That's if, my it's like
0: a, Yeah. Like if you think you're really interested in something like, well, let's see. Cause if you're taking it seriously, you can go get like a top line, like overview. And then when you hear about this one thing, it's like, okay, jot that down. Now go look in and learn about that. And if you don't do that, take those steps from like what you just heard. Like maybe it's more of just kind of like a fleeting no, yeah. oh, that was cool now i know whatever versus like i'm gonna actually incorporate this into my life somehow somehow um but i think that's a pretty like cool also like everyone can do that
1: right like that's yeah, and I'm not trying like, the beautiful to be thing about it critical of someone who like if you go on and you watch a really boring 17 minute long video about how to make how to do slip cast ceramics there's a good example right um fairly mundane if you're not able to find someone locally to help you or to take classes and all you have access to is YouTube. If you end it being like, that's not that interesting to me. You're not like a quitter or like someone. Yeah, for sure. You just taking the first step to see if it really uh, grabs your attention. Cause there'll be certain things like I have friends who are in the automotive design industry. And it's like that we'll send each other a 17 minute video of something getting milled or something. And we're like staring at it mm. together, you know, and yeah. we're deeply fascinated by it. Yeah. Like, it and that's just a sensation you're experiencing that's gauging your level of interest. Mm. Yeah.
0: On a totally like 180 from all this, like very tactile, physical stuff. Mm. Um, for some reason, I really was comp- wanted to ask about thoughts and other right. projects like it. Um, and thoughts for people who don't know is like, pretty unique project in your sort of like larger, you know, body of work, uh, portfolio, whatever you want to call it. Um, but you started in 2017 and it was essentially kind of this like peer to peer education Like I was one of the instructors or yeah. what did you, uh, mentors or whatever on it. There was all these different really amazing people who, um, essentially you could like, you know, reach out and ask a question and people would pay to ask questions and to, uh, essentially trying to circumvent and get around the like, yeah. Yeah. The, the the DMS or like the emails that we, you know, would used to experience. And this is not to sound like snobbish, but it's like the, someone being like, Hey, can I buy you a coffee and pick your brain? And it's like, this sounds like it's going to take a lot out of me. And yeah. <laughs> like in, in, in exchange for like a $4 cup of coffee, like, I don't know if I feel like doing this or not. Um, and I, it's funny. I haven't had that in a while. I kind of almost feel like I'd welcome it more now. I mean, it's dependent on like the person, but um, you know, as like a social <laughs> thing, but um, anyways, that was kind of like the, the beginning of it. And I don't know exactly like, you know, what all, like when it kind of, um, you know, what stopped being a, a priority for you or like where it kind of
1: went, but like, yeah, essentially... I mean, we did a couple different iterations, a few different iterations. We did the pay one, then we did the live events and then we, did yeah, the yeah. One that we're doing during the pandemic where we were kind of top down recording. That was a, a funny way to do that. And, th- and those ones actually had the most success. We would have hundreds of people watching those, um, on Instagram live which was kind of like a, i don't know it's just a really fun thing to do i still would like to revisit it in terms of why i like don't have as much priority against it um at the moment um it was a moment in time and i think it worked fairly well but it wasn't like the completed version of what i saw in my head and i don't think mm. users were getting the value that i you know i think it went from no one had an issue with the i believe we were charging ten dollars at a time and it wasn't supposed to make a ton of money it was more, more supposed to be like hey if you if, if you have to put down ten dollars you're going to ask a more thorough question. yeah sure, sure. we found some people they, they they're really fascinated by this this person that they might find as a mentor and they want to ask them a question but when it comes time to actually write that question there would oftentimes be fear that their question wasn't good enough or wasn't interesting enough. And that's something we all experience. I experience it when I'm reaching out to someone that I, that I admire, you want to be compelling. So we wanted to remove that barrier a little bit, but I do have a new version of it that I designed like over the past, like six months that I'd love to, to launch. I think I've learned this is like not answering the specific question, but more of a broader thing. I've learned in my life that like, there was a period of time where I was working on a thousand different things at once. And I'm still probably working on too many different things at once, but like focus is what makes something grow. Yeah. Um, you can get something to kind of find some legs um, through your friend group and through, you know, a little bit of social media. But if you really want something to be spectacular success or the thing that you have in your mind, you have to focus on it. And I'll be honest, I still struggle with that. So I kind of tried to remove things that were a distraction.
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, you pretty much answered my, my, my kind of follow up on that, which was like, do you want to revisit that as a project in like the larger scope of all the things that you do, which are generally far more physical now. And that was more of this kind of idea of like tapping into
1: education. Yes, I would totally like to revisit it. And in fact, I mean, I kind of open it. I open my DMS right now or my email or other who's listening to this, who would have any interest in working on it. Um, I have a vision for it. I don't know if I would operate it, you know? So, um, I would totally be down to find like a partner or something on this one more so than yeah. I have any other project I've ever worked on because yeah. my own goal with that one is that it uh it connects people with answers to their questions that don't exist on YouTube or or on YouTube or Google or like the, the the message boards or whatever it might be or you know, an interview or going to a panel that's discussion. I was trying to find more specific answers for people who had questions of very specific people. Mm-hmm. This idea that you were choosing your teacher was really compelling to me. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm trying to think like how to, so I'm going to kind of bookend this and then I kind of have a quick rapid fire little thing, but um, so you're 2023 so far, like if I had to just recap it to you and this is probably just like the things that you've shared and, you know, just in the last, I mean, just again, like the interest of having recapped your Instagram, like for my, like refreshing my memory, but just since February launching the new Oxford shirt was like the first project that seemed like kind of kicked the year off. And this all kind of came right after the Vans collaboration in December, but that the zine that you did, the 600 razor blade zine that you did, that was kind of coincided with the Vans project. Um, Spoke at Harvard, which seems like its own project in a, in a way to like talk about, um, collaborated with Tyrell Winston on his show in Hong Kong, the double technical project worked mm-hmm. on that Nike project with James Langford. And we're part of that whole sort of long, like, you yeah, know,
1: the Nike school, Chicago. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Nike school, Chicago, the, uh, the playing cards with, with anyone. Um, yeah. again, these are all things people as you can go through and like pretty quickly, like find these, um, the, most recently the collection with j crew that you just did in chicago the other night um you just posted on stories about some you know i guess pretty quick some gloves that you're working on um and to me like to me it seems like your most prolific year yet in terms of output like you've just done a lot and like you know like kind of and what's crazy is like i've always me and you used to talk so much about like being young not having gone to college like the world's our oyster we could do all this stuff like we didn't have school or whatever um but like i got my career and like my name and all that stuff started early in my early 20s and you know you were doing things but i feel like yours started a bit later on and has become right. more refined in the last like you know 10 years so i guess like in a way to me it feels like you've been doing so much stuff, but also that you're just getting started, which I find quite inspiring you know, like, like I'm coming up on being in my forties, you know, you're there now and I feel like you're just starting to like really ramp up, which is exciting. Um, Chris Black did an interview with Mark, the artist Mark Hundley recently, uh, um, yeah. in, in, um, I think it was in GQ as part of his like pulling weeds thing. And, um, He's he was talking about how nobody should get what they want uh, or be finding success until they're well into their 40s if not into their 50s. <laughs> I was like, maybe that's someone talking like okay, like I wonder who said that, someone who's in their 50s. But it was very exciting to think about like things getting better with age and aging gracefully as a as a designer. So anyways, long-winded, but you've done a lot of stuff this year. Do you feel like you're just getting started?
1: Yeah, I don't even feel like this year was prolific. I mean, mm. I think I think almost every creator I know like we're a little hard on ourselves and we think we could have finished more things. I'm already rolling through my brain, the things that I didn't quite finish the way that I wanted to, or things that are behind schedule. Um, no, I feel i um, incredibly lucky that I have like this platform to make things and that there seems to be a consumer base for it. Um, it's still incredibly small. Um, I do feel like while the object company says 2009, and then the question marks, I don't feel like you said 10 years. I don't feel like it's really had its legs since maybe just a touch before the pandemic. Mm. Um, so what would that be out in 2019, you know, early to or late 2018 before, before I started to feel like there was some structure around it. Um, my goal is, uh, I mean, from a really practical standpoint is to be launching a new product every month that's really challenging to do that with physical products. Um, I'm getting closer to that. Um, if I, if I did, if I did, you know, six or seven next year, I'd be pretty thrilled or at least on the next rolling 12 months, I'd be pretty thrilled, but no, I, I feel incredibly fortunate to be able to do it. I feel like I couldn't have made or created these things at any other point in my life than now. So I don't have any like, damn, I wish I would have done this earlier. I don't have that sensation. Um, but yeah, I, 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 no, I, we, we talked last night about dinner. I think about age now more than I ever have before. And I think there is some validity to that quote about finding success too early. I don't think I necessarily found success too early, but I've had a pretty nice run since I've been 18 you know, or 19 mm-hmm. years old. And I think that it's a great thing to have success for long periods of time or, or financial stability for long periods of time and things like that. But it can make you a little soft. And it can remove your ability to be agile and things like that. So when I'm working with people, like I'll just mention it, like James Langford, um, who I did the sculpture, the Nike School of Chicago sculpture with. I think about those people and I'm just like, he's like just finding it right now. And him and Larry, you talked about him and Larry last Mm -hmm. night. And they're so excited and they're just finding it. And, um, I just am really thrilled that I'm in a conversation with them and that we're Mm -hmm. peers and that we're creating together and that it doesn't seem like I'm creating some sort of old dusty work and he's creating the new, really exciting stuff. I feel like we're literally just all creating stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: no, that's, that's great. That's, I mean, that's, uh, how you want it to be. I think also not talking down to people and just having a respect for like remembering, like these are the people that we were when we were just starting
1: out. I mean, now I'm more like, it. I feel like they're my mentors. I feel like it's a lot of times the other way around because I don't want to ever lose touch with kind of the current zeitgeist. And, um, you just have to work harder at that as you get older. Yeah, (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the fun, like, all right, the, the, in the brilliance vein, like the fun, Let's like go. rap some rapid fires, although this one isn't the first one, not super rapid fire, but all right. What browser tabs never, never get closed on the phone. No, I'm, the...
1: I'm pretty hardcore closing tabs. Uh, do you Gmail. Have a...
0: Okay. Gmail. All right. Maybe I uh, phrased in another way. Like what are the I also don't use do you...
1: tabs I open all individual windows and use expose
0: Okay. Interesting. Well, on your phone though, do you have te- you're just like one thing at a time. Like that's wild to me. Um, yeah. I, don't I mean, I'm that... not crazy, but I probably have like 15 different tabs open of like, Oh, I'm going to get back to this article. Like this is this thing. I just never uh, I use RSS like, don't
1: for, for know. Yeah.
0: Amazing. I <laughs> never, I never got into it. So funny. The brilliance of people would always like hit us up about artists,
1: RSS and I'm very against them. Yeah.
0: Well, I never and still never have used one, and it seems like something you've, no, it's you a eventually huge part of my daily life. Look to. um All right. Well, what sites? What, what are the sites you visit every day, though? Like when you're done in the walk in the morning and, and all that, and it's time to like go. New York nap, Times,
1: like... Wall Street Journal. Um, oh, YouTube stays. I mean, YouTube is more. That's more of an evening thing. I call my iPad my leisure computer, and like that's yeah. most consuming. It. Uh, YouTube and watching random engineering videos or automotive stuff or interviews and things like that. So I would say YouTube's like a big, a big, uh, thing for me. Um, I have definitely found myself browsing less, um, GQ. I checked GQ, uh, mostly for the kind of the editorial content stuff. is really interesting to me. The writing that's going on there now is really interesting. Um, there's a new site byline byline. I think that's what okay. it's called. That's out of New York. Really good. Um, no, I don't. That, that, I'm not giving you a good answer.
0: No, that's fine. That's all right. Um, all right, Apple Maps or Google Maps? Google Maps. yeah. Not even close. Same.
1: And I'm the close. same. Uh, I know that the new. I know the new Apple Maps is a lot better, but um, yeah, I mean, I have the Apple Maps logo on my home screen, and that's what I use. And even when I plug into CarPlay on someone's car, I prefer the Google Maps app.
0: Yeah, same. All right, um, New York or LA?
1: New York. Come on. <laughs>
0: I would ask Chicago or whatever, but it just kind of feels like unfair in a way, like a Chicago, Chicago relationship. Yeah, well. yeah. Um, all right. Wine or cocktails? Uh probably cocktails at this point right now. Deep dish or thin crust? Thin. Thin crust. Yeah, thin crust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh all right, top three spots in Chicago to eat, whether like any any meal, like just like when you think of someone's in town give me the benjamin eger food experience we got breakfast lunch and dinner or no breakfast or whatever coffee maybe yeah like i mean ralph Lauren
1: restaurant i mean i go there i love that place um there's some i'm just not going to say because they're like my my i'm going to gatekeep some um <laughs> I, I do like going to Danson. I don't get up there enough. I really. Okay. So those. don't
0: for so expand on Danson for a moment. Danson is a, a Korean barbecue spot uh, way uptown. What neighborhood is that in? It's in Lincoln Square, but it's kind of like it's in an
1: area that like you would just drive by and never think anything of. Yeah. I mean, truly. Um, yeah, yeah. I go there. I don't go there enough, but I really like that spot. Any of the fuss spots on Argyle Street, I like going up there. Mm-hmm. Um, pasta tortello right now for me. Yeah, tortello this is just amazing. Just a genuinely fantastic restaurant. Um, that's more than three. Um, okay. Let me expand on that then. F- food aside, someone's
0: in town. There's someone you like spending time with. It's not someone who's like, you're like, fuck, I got to spend the day with <laughs> <laughs> where they've never been to Chicago before. All right. So like beautiful Saturday in the fall, like, where are you going? What's the, we're going
1: like go, to the- start off in the gold coast, go for a walk into kind of the older part of the, of the gold yep. coast. Just look at <laughs> houses. Yeah. Yeah. Look at houses on Astor street. I like walking down by the water. So go under one of the passes, um, get up onto the path. Um, I'm typically would, would ask if they were down to go for a bike ride, we'd probably go for a rather long bike ride Mm -hmm. and try and kind of go way into the South loop and then bring it all the way back up. Probably even into Lincoln park. Okay. Uh, I find myself going to the Lincoln park conservatory quite a bit, uh, when the weather dips down. Um, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, pretty thoroughly like a downtown person. And I'm big on like the walks and the bike rides as a way to consume, uh, yep. the city. now the bike
0: for you is also like, do you even own a bike now? Or do you just, city yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: mm-hmm. if you follow your Instagram, you would know that you're,
1: I was a pretty heavy there. cyclist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like now you're big on the, uh, get the shoes up on the, on the, on the yeah. bike get to get the picture <laughs> that might be one of the lingering like lifestyle shots but usually you yeah, got like flowers in one of your to in your tote bag or something like that to yeah. make sure it stays you know rounded out i like that question actually i think i might have to start asking that of everybody of their, their city like what's like your one day sort of like you're gonna see you know we're gonna see the city um where's the dinner like where are you capping off like what's the like all right this is like I know I'm gonna get a great meal at this place. Might yeah, you
1: know I mean, that would be? Um, oh, you don't want to say you? Okay. Well, I won't. Yeah, I won't say the one. It's a very normal, boring bar that I go to a lot. My friends will know what I'm talking about. But um, I'm a regular there. It's B Dubs. Great- <laughs> no, it, I did. It's not B Dubs. I haven't been to B Dubs in a while. Um, but uh, I like places like I, I like places like Ralph Lauren and, and stuff like that because because of the the simplicity of it and the, and that's mm-hmm. just the incredible weight staff and the characters you find. I mean, a Sunday night dinner at Ruffler and grill here is just, it's a, uh, just a cascade of characters, Chicago characters.
0: Mm. Um, very broad. All right, Last question. Just like the big, big thing, but where is, where is Benjamin Egger in 2033?
1: 2033 is so 10 years from now. Um, it's weird me when I hear that, I almost have like a weird sense of not anxiety, but a sense of responsibility. Mm. Um, because I feel like I'm at a precipice of like, it's either going to kind of hang around this spot that it's at now, or it's really going to yeah. grow. There's no like ideal answer for a question like that either. It's almost like a... But you know, it's sort of like... I mean, I have a dream of a specific revenue goal that's much lower than most people would, would imagine. But a specific margin that I'm making, a very small team of people, um, I'm looking at some office space for the first time in a long mm-hmm. time, it would be more studio office space kind of thing. And, um, and, you know, regularly releasing product and having, I mean, I, I think of this company as a utopian thing. I think it just existing, even if it was existing at, at the scale that it is now in 2033 and people being excited about it and strangers continuing to buy it would be some form of success because it's not a needed company. It's such an emotional company. People are buying it motion they get out of it, not in that <laughs> sort of need. But no, I would like it to be bigger than it is. And I would like it both in revenue and in scale. And I would like it to be running a little smoother than it is.
0: Okay. You mentioned bringing some people on. Do you see eventually having a couple employees or like some people that are like, kind of like side by side with you, like designing and help like more quickly iterating? Is that kind of like, because right I really now, like, that you have people that you kind of tap into, but like for the most part, either you do, you kind of mentioned like more pro- proficient illustrator now, but then when you're doing some of these more complex things that require like CAD drawings or whatever, Ooh, like
1: yeah, yeah. Because I know fusion 360 a bit, but I'm not nearly where I should be at with it. Um, I'm really lucky that I have a handful of people, but one specifically is a great friend of mine, Rotenda. We met probably four or five years ago. We've never met a person we're actually going to meet uh, coming up soon here in the States, but he's based in Europe and, um, I don't even know if they would want the job or whatever, but I do think of a company, like I think of the company play lab, you know, Archie and Jeff yeah, and the team that they built over there. That to me is really beautiful. Mm. And I don't know if I'm looking for exactly that, that, that company or to mimic that, but, um, they have a great team and a, and a bunch of minds that are going in different directions in terms of their, their approach to design, but kind of in a similar overall direction. And I find that really beautiful and I would like even a small version of that. I think would be the next iteration of my company. I think being this, this idea of the soul creator is a little ridiculous. I don't think anyone's really a soul creator.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Even when I think back to how sort of like independent and soul I've been, like how many people have been like in my orbit, somehow contributing or responding sure. to or you know, going Informing. back and forth with. But um yeah. All right, perfect. What do you got coming up? Uh rest of the year then. Maybe like find like you, anything like you know, I don't know. Now's, now's my, like, when's the album, when's the book coming out? Like, when,
1: no, I mean, I have, you know. I, I think, I mean, we've only got a couple months left. I have at least two, I, I you know, fingers crossed I have at least two or three products coming out before the end of the year. Let's call it two. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, a specific uh, more sculptural object that I've been working on for a really long time. That was supposed to be really easy, but it's been really difficult. Um, that, that should be probably public in a couple weeks, uh, a few weeks. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a continuation of objects and 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 getting even better with um, showing them in, in really exceptional photographs, whether it be product photography, which I'm so lucky to work with Chris Bain on, or or um, the more abstract, uh, more more in situation photographs. So mm. um, it's a continuation of the same momentum is what I'm hoping for.
0: Yeah. All right. Well,
1: Thanks, I think man. that's it.
0: Yeah. Of course. Yeah 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 definitely was like all right how do i like not repeat interviews he's done actually i'm gonna set this one up in the in the intro and kind of recommend people like if they really want to kind of get like the full picture i feel like the blammo podcast that you did is a great sort of like stage setter and kind of background and like your journey and all that stuff and like kind of the more linear like you know early childhood like inspiration blah blah up until kind of now um And I think like that one's that one maybe like pair would pair well with with this one, um, and kind of like give a a pretty big picture of of what you're doing. But uh, yeah, man, like obviously, always great to to talk and um, appreciate you doing
1: it. Yeah, we'll get dinner soon. Yeah, hundred percent.
0: Later.